Hello and welcome to another episode of Adventures in .NET. I'm Sean Clavier, your host. With me today is your other co-host, Caleb Wells. Hey, Caleb. hey y'all. Hey. How's it going? That's good. Did you have lots of food yesterday? Yes, my wife cooked a lot and over half of it is in the fridge for leftovers, right? <laughs> Turkey and stuffing and green bean casserole and cranberry sauce and rolls, right? Too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so, tasty. Yeah, so as we record, yesterday was Thanksgiving. So it was just my wife and I, just a small dinner, but she just made me lots of stuffing. And we, we bought just this little three-pound turkey breast butterball thing. Yeah. So we didn't want to have a whole lot of leftovers, but even three pounds for two of us was just plenty. And we probably still got half of it left. So we'll have some, some turkey and ham sandwiches or something like that. Yeah, uh, going next week. So it was good. Good. So, you know, heard from all the family, but uh, didn't have any gatherings. We wanted to play it safe. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. So uh, today our guest is Max Arshinov. Welcome, Max. Hi, guys. It's really cool to be today with you. And so interesting to to hear how you discuss Thanksgiving Day, because normally we only we only can see something like this in TV shows or <laughs> we don't celebrate something like this here. And uh, it's so cool to, to hear something like this in reels. <laughs> it was really interesting. So yeah, hi. Hey, folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. So you're you're in Eastern Europe, right? Yeah, I'm in Russia. Russia. So yeah, so yeah, yeah. Th- Thanksgiving is is definitely an American holiday, right? But we enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> does Does Russia have anything similar? Just a holiday for just for getting together for family and eating? Oh yeah, sure. It's uh, it's called New Year because normally mm-hmm. we have uh, a whole week of vacation starting from January January first, and everybody just visiting each other, and you know. Eating, eating, it's almost exactly the same thing, except for you do it only for one day and when we do it for one week and it's too much. And uh, right now, well, I think everybody understood that one week is just enormous amount of time and it's not a good idea to have one week of holidays when you start the year and people try to do something else, to go skiing or to go somewhere else, uh, basically to have just yet another vacation, which you can spend with your family or with your friends and do yeah. something else apart from eating. <laughs> no, that, that sounds good. It makes me think of, you're saying one week's too long. I guess that, that really depends. I live in New Orleans and mm-hmm. most years we have Mardi Gras, which is three plus weeks of, oh. <laughs> of party after party after party. When you get my age, you don't party that much, but it's a fun experience. But we're not doing it in 2012 because of COVID. But yeah, yeah. 2020, we'll remember this year for a long, long time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. So, well, yeah. most most people in the U.S. have today off as well. They, they make it a two-day mm-hmm. holiday, taking Friday mm-hmm. off. And then with the weekend, it becomes a four-day holiday. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it ends up being all right. Today is usually yeah. one of the biggest shopping days of the year. So, it's... Everybody has Thanksgiving off, and then they have this Friday off, and this is usually when all the all the sales 
start for Christmas. Oh, yeah, Black Friday, exactly. Uh, right, Black Friday. So this is usually a crazy day for, for shopping, but I think most of it's being done online this year. So I've already racked up several items. <laughs> You're not going to uh, wait for Cyber day. Monday, huh? <laughs> no. If it's a good deal, I'm all, I'm all for it. doesn't matter the day. All right, cool. So, Max, uh, let's start out with, you know, kind of what, what you do and how you got into development and working with .NET. Mm-hmm. I've been working with .NET probably for 12 or 13 years or something. I, I don't even remember. And as far as I remember, I have always been somehow related to computers and I have never worked in different areas, except for I was a musician for a really short period of time in the university, but it was more like a hobby. So I started as a software developer and uh, basically I did some web programming, you know, websites, uh, PHP, um, HTML, stuff like this, but I've never liked too much to work with PHP because uh, I started working with C Sharp in, in the university. So I knew that that C-sharp is a better language, at least for me. But I had to work with PHP for quite some time because uh, I I could only find a, a junior position job on PHP. And once I think once uh, ASP.NET MVC was released, I could switch to ASP.NET, ASP.NET MVC development. For for one year, I lived in Czech Republic and worked in Europe. Uh, then I got back to Russia and uh, I worked as a project manager and for a short period of time as a head of QA department, totally accidentally. And uh, I ended (laughs) up being a co-owner of a small outsourcing company here. There are 30 of us right now and uh, we do what we can do the best. We write some custom software. It's... uh, more or less web apps. And I mean, web apps that are too complicated to be built with uh, existing software, uh, like uh, CMS systems and uh, basically everything that you can buy. So once our client want to want to run a new product, which is really different from everything else that they can build using existing systems, we, we connect and start a new project. And that's what we do right now. Yeah, I imagine when you're building custom business solutions, similar to what Sean and I do as well, right? You run into some interesting problems and interesting solutions. Challenges. (laughs) Yes, there you go. Challenges, right? (laughs) You've got to use the right terminology, right? They're not problems. They're just... (laughs) Exactly, right? Um, That is what I I, I needed to learn when I started to work with uh, foreign clients, that you don't say problem. Never. You say issue or challenge or, you know, task or something because problem oh. is something really bad. Oh, yeah. It's really complicated. Well, well when, it's, when it's between us devs, we can, we can use problem, right? We can get away yeah. with it. But no, I'm... Roadblock. Um, yeah, <laughs> roadblock. There you go. I don't have any blockers today. Or, yeah, so-and-so is my blocker, right? This person is blocking me. Can you fix them? <laughs> <laughs> So one of the, the things that you've actually ended up doing deep dive into and have got had a good bit of experience with is expression trees. Yeah, um, right. And I think most people don't even know what they are. 
in .NET C Sharp. Can you can you give people a little little info on their background? Yes, so did I uh, before I needed to do a really small fix as at least I thought that it would be a really small fix. So I think when Lambda expressions and uh, Lambda functions was introduced in, in .NET, Microsoft did a really good job to advertise Link itself, the technology, the Link syntax and uh, things like that. But for some reason, they did not advertise some some technical details of the implementations of the implementation of link and queryable provider and expression trees are essential parts of uh, this technology and in order to understand how it actually works under the hood you need to know these details but on the other hand the good thing about link that you don't have to i know that a lot of developers they write a lot of link based code and they have no idea what it is and how it works. And this is a part of my standard interview with developers and a lot of people who claim themselves as senior developers. When I ask them, can you tell me how Entity Framework create a SQL SQL query using your C-sharp code? They just say, that's a framework, that's what that's what it does. That's that's why we use Entity Framework. So I always was, I have always been curious about how things are built under the hood. And I I have never been satisfied with simple explanations. Like, this is just a technology, take it and use and so on. But this wasn't a case for the expression trees. I was satisfied with linking syntax and uh, I was okay. Until we wanted to refactor our code in a way that we wanted to to get rid of code duplication. And uh, we noticed that there are a lot of link statements that we write once more and once more. And uh, when we needed to update a single Lambda function, it appeared that this specific Lambda function was copy-pasted multiple times in the project, and it was really tedious to, to find all the places. So we knew about the specification pattern and we thought, okay, that's a good idea. That's a well-known pattern. And this is this pattern is designed to work with this specific challenge <laughs> or problem. Okay. And uh, it worked pretty uh, well for uh, specifications itself. And it worked pretty well for when we wanted to combine multiple specifications using and operator, but when we tried to combine them using or operator, it appeared that we we can't because when we write a link syntax, we write we implicitly write an expression tree, and the C sharp compiler do all the dirty stuff for us, and we we just don't don't think about it. We don't know that this is an expression tree, that this specific Lambda is not a part of your code. It's not a delegate. It's it's something else. And the most complicated uh, part of this technology that it's so implicit and it's so easy to, to think that you are writing a delegate and that if you don't know that expression trees exist, you probably will not until you, you end up in a situation like I I've just mentioned. So I tried to write, okay, or, 
and it did not didn't compile and it told and the compiler message was something like no you, you can't use or operator here because the type uh, of the of the variables that you are trying to combine is expression and or operator is not defined for type expression blah 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 i was like what expression blah 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 <laughs> what it, what it is why what kind of expression expressions i thought this is a delegate so right. i just counter clicked on expression type and i was like oh th this is something new i i've never i i have never thought about things like that so i googled expressions and i understood that this is something else this is something i'm not familiar with and i tried to google something more advanced specifically i wanted to understand how i can combine these and uh, it appeared that there is still not enough uh, documentation on the official microsoft website you can find something okay expression trees is a really fancy technology here is a piece of code which is quite advanced and which we probably don't think that you will you would understand but we don't care actually <laughs> so the next place was uh, the joseph albahari website and mm -hmm. specifically it's a part about linkypad and linkykit which is a library that is internally used for linkypad i think Sean, that, uh, yeah, it's one of yeah. sean's favorite libraries <laughs> yeah I, that, i've had that one of my picks because i just use that over and over so many times just to write something real simple just to, to test some code is linkpad and then i've i've looked at his predicate builder with linkkit a few times but i've never really got into that so you know you talked mm -hmm. about you know you talked about always wanting to know things how things worked i wondered if when you were a kid did you take your toys apart Yeah, <laughs> I did quite, quite often. Yeah, <laughs> you know, expression trees are definitely a more advanced part of the framework, right? And like you said, it's really it's how they use it to build link queries. And actually, like you said, take the lambdas. I've actually had to work with expression trees before myself for a very edge case. And when you write it, right, it feels like you're you're back to where you're writing a lot of boilerplate like you exactly. used to do in .NET mm -hmm. Framework 2 or whatever, which you don't have to do anymore. But I also found it interesting at the end of my expression tree, right, I actually call compile on the Lambda to build it. And like you said, they're still doing stuff that we don't even understand even when you're creating your own expression tree. So it's it's interesting tech. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, for me, this was a whole journey to the rabbit hole. I started with a really simple case, and I wanted to basically I wanted I wanted my specifications to properly work with or operator. That was my first and uh, the only wheel at this moment. But when I started to to experiment with the technology, I understood that, oh, this is a whole new world. And uh, my analogy here is Inception movie by Hans Zimmer. When when you have a sleep <laughs> inside, of, uh, inside of sleep and inside of sleep, you can, well, my idea was, okay, so this is actually, this is a technology that grants you a way to build some advanced metaprogramming stuff without things like reflection.emit, without using even more low-level techniques, which 
related to probably modifying EL code or something. Mm -hmm. This is a high-level abstraction, actually, which is really close to what compiler does. So you have now we have Roslyn, which works fantastically with uh, your source code. And expression trees are the technology which works really great in runtime. So if you have some, some data and you know that based on some data structures, you can build some algorithms, but these algorithm, algorithms, you can't, but you can build these algorithms in compile time. That's a way how you can take your data structures and build code that you need in runtime, compile it, put it into cache, and then run it without almost without any re reflection related penalties yeah. uh, which yeah. is great and uh, we had a great discussion from great discussion with uh, a person from Israel who works with high frequency trading and they run .net for these uh, tasks and he told me that actually they were able to to work with really advanced uh, optimizing techniques which called profiler-assisted optimizations, which are not available in languages like C++. So what they do, they take the telemetry from CLR and they try to use this information to recompile their code in runtime in a way that the resulting IL code is more optimized to the data that they work with right now. So they build more optimized data structures based on their current current data. And when I heard that, it was like, oh, wow, this is really advanced stuff, you know? I don't very do cool. something like Yeah, very cool. And what I did, I could save a lot of boilerplate code that we write for business. Yeah, I needed to write a lot of boilerplate, ad more advanced boilerplate code using expression trees, but I could, I could write a small library that works a really similar way to Automapper, but and unlike automapper, automapper, it doesn't do anything for the select statement. Mm -hmm. I build where statements automatically. I take DTO that you take from front end. I take the generic parameter from your queryable. I then compare their properties and based on properties and conventions, I try to and predefined conventions. I build where statements. So an example would be if you have, uh, let's say, string name property in your, in your entity, let's say that's uh, a product, and you have name property of string type in your DTO, probably you would like to build a where statement, which is x arrow x dot name starts with the value of, of the value of the name property from your DTO. Yeah, yeah. And we don't write too many filters anymore. We just write filter and sort for me, please, based on this T-type, and that's all. You know, I try to stay away from from Boulder Plate for the most part, right? Because I remember the ADO.net days where 90% of it was Boulder Plate. But if you can write some code that you can reuse hundreds or thousands of times, it's well worth it, right? I mean, that's that's kind of the end goal of what, what we're trying to do as developers. But my use case is not nearly as complex as yours, but some people may get a kick out of it. I actually used the expression tree to um, do something you really should never do. And okay. we have a, well, this is a previous job, 
But the table, the the original author actually built a table where the columns, he wants to get all the rows associated with a certain column instead mm -hmm. of getting all the columns associated with a row, which is what you normally do. Mm -hmm. And he did not want to change it. So I ended up having to write an expression tree where I call into this helper and I pass the column name and it queries the database and returns all the all the rows for just that column, which, which is, it's a backwards way of doing it and it's kind of odd, but it worked and it worked great. And he was happy and, and we were able to get what we needed and keep moving forward. Yeah, I think that's that's another great example of some algorithms that you just can't write on in the compile time because uh, yeah, yep. this algorithm is based on your data structures which are only yep. available at runtime. So this is just another ex example. And actually yep. that's that's not the most advanced thing that I did with <laughs> the expression trees. This was <laughs> this was just just the beginning. You remember the inception thing? So the next part was this was a time when I was uh, really curious about functional programming. I, I was exploring this area and I was like, oh, theory, let me remember, yeah, category theory, things like that, monads, and everything was so complicated and so cool. And uh, wow. So I liked the idea of functional, of combining functions into pipelines. And that's what you can do with the expressions. You, you have lambda, you can, and you can take different lambdas, combine them each other and build a single la lambda as a composite of other lambdas. And you, you, you just wrap them up as a pipeline. Uh, so I was thinking, okay, that's a way, that's another, this might be another cool metaprogramming technique. And what I can do with this and it appeared that I can also transpile it to JavaScript because I, I've never wanted to write JavaScript too much. And <laughs> I, I, yeah, I can't remember all the frameworks and I can't update all my code every day because every day there is a new version of a JavaScript library or there is a new JavaScript framework. And my idea was, okay, front-end guys, they use things like Babel to transpile JavaScript from JavaScript. Okay, I have a better idea. I'll transpile my C-sharp code, which I used to work with, to JavaScript. And I you actually, know, uh, yeah. I, okay. think, I think I have an even better suggestion, which wasn't around a couple of years ago. And, mm -hmm. and Sean knows where I'm going. Blazor. <laughs> Blazor, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, that way but, you don't have to double JavaScript at all if you don't want to. Yeah. But I mean, it was several years ago. Blazor right. was uh, far from being production ready, and yeah. yeah, I'm I'm so excited about .NET Conf this year. There was uh, yeah. there were so many uh, Blazor related talks, and hopefully, hopefully, uh, we'll be able to to work with Blazor on front end and with uh, ASP.NET on back end, and we'll never have to write in JavaScript anymore. <laughs> Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood and I just launched my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. It's up on Amazon. We self-published it. I would love your support. If you want to go check it out, you can find it there. The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. Have a good one. Max out. So, well, with transcribing it or compiling it to JavaScript, right, or, or using a converter. So in C Sharp, right, you've got a, a method that you've created. Are you basically taking that method and rewriting it in JavaScript or having it write it for you? How, uh, how did you go about that? Yeah, that's a really good good question. 
So this is really similar to write to process when you write your own queryable provider, if you have ever tried to do so. And the most challenging part is that you have to cover so many cases. So normally you start with writing not supported exceptions, throw no, new not supported exceptions, exception to limit the amount of code that you actually support. So I decided that what I would like to do is to keep my validation logic on the backend. And I didn't want to copy the, this validation logic on the front end. So basically, if we try to think about validation, what it is, and if we try to think about functions in functional programming way, this is just a function that takes your object as a parameter and returns bool as a result. So this is a validator. So you can define your, your validation logic as lambdas, as expression trace. Then for your backend code, you can run .compile method to create delegates. Then you need to cache them somewhere. And for the JavaScript part, you need to use an expression visitor to go through your expression tree and to build the corresponding JavaScript code, which is not that difficult because you don't want to cover too many cases. You basically need arithmetic operations, method call expression, parameters, and yeah, regex, regular expressions. And these three covers 80% of 90% of validation logic cases. And then you can start with this subset of all the JavaScript code. And when you need to implement something more sophisticated, well, you have a ch you may choose from improving your implementation and supporting more JavaScript code and more C sharp code, and and more mappings between those two, or you can give up on this and say that okay, there are really really difficult validation scenarios, and you would you would better run a web request to your backend and write for the synchronous validation from the backend because, yeah it's uh, practically impossible to support all the C-sharp code, I mean, all the translations of the C-sharp code to the corresponding JavaScript code, but in reality, you don't have to. And I think that's, the, that's a good approach to limit the scope you work with because it's, well, there are too many things that we need to do. And for, for all my career, I've never had enough time to implement everything. All my ideals, I just need to focus on something and uh, try to do my best. But I, but yeah, you need some limits. Wouldn't it be nice if we had endless amount of time to do to do the fun things the way we want to do them? <laughs> yeah, that's that's really cool. Actually, I think that over time I managed to somehow to somehow overcome this limitation and uh, especially working with uh, different ar architecture styles. So what we do, we try to, to get the ideas from our previous project and uh, rethink them and implement them better in our next projects. And we always try to analyze what was good in the previous project, what we can learn from it and what we can take uh, with us and what, and what was not so good and what we need to get rid of. And uh, for the last five years, I think for me, it was a constant process of involving and rethinking my attitude to web app architecture and some engineer techniques, approaches, Every time I try to think 
was it good? Was it a good fit for a project? And uh, do I really need this technique? And uh, if I need, do I need it as a whole? Or I can take a small part of this approach or technology or, or a practice, anything. And right now, my understanding of a good architecture is a mix of ideas from functional programming, from CQRS, from DDD. And I try to take only a part of the, well, philosophy, let's say, or, or guidance, which really works for me and uh, which I really understand how to work with. And I really understand how it can, uh, how I can benefit from it, you know. So I think one of the most common problems, uh, I mean, challenges that people run into dealing with <laughs> where they might end up getting into expression trees is that or problem. You know, everybody's tried to write an entity framework query and then they say, okay, I got to do an or. And I think most people probably cheat and they end up writing separate queries and then oring those two together outside of entity frameworks. So is that one of the easier things to handle with expression trees? Kind of an introductory to expression trees would be, you know, solving that or problem? I mean, these are two similar and connected uh, questions, but not exactly the same. So the first part, as I've already mentioned, is that, yeah, we have queryable provider and uh, we rely on, on queryable provider. And I, I've i never tried to write, well, yeah, no, I, I tried to write my own queryable pro provider once, but practically speaking, it's it's just an uh, enormous amount of time that you need to invest into writing your own implementation. So it's better to help the EF core team and to help them to, to make their queryable provider even better than it, than it is right now. So, so queryable provider, that's what actually does the translation from link to SQL? Yeah, and this is a part of Link which runs the query. If you click on a queryable interface, you'll see that it has uh, expression property and it has something like uh, create query and uh, uh, run query or something like run query. Uh, I, I don't remember the name of the method. So basically, that's a runner. And expression tree is something that is being translated into query and then what is invoked by the queryable provider. So you can use you can use uh, expression trees independently and regardless of uh, whether you need to work with entity framework or Riesling. That is a self well. Let me think how to <laughs> how to say it properly. Yeah, that's an independent independent technology, which I think was uh, designed internally to support link but it has a lot of uh, use cases outside of link and many people confuse expression trees with link with queryable providers where link uh, where expression trees is uh, really important but not the only part of link you know do you think like a normal senior.net developer would be able to get into expression trees and and create an expression that, that handles that or case like Sean mentioned. You think that's reasonable for most senior developers to, to attempt? Absolutely. And maybe I'm old fashioned, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not only a CTO, I'm also a teacher in the university for three years already maybe. And what I did, I my idea was, okay, when I was a teenager, I really struggled with our teachers in the university because they uh, they teach us outdated things. So 
I decided I, I will be another guy. I will go to the most, most advanced and cutting edge technologies and let's see what will happen. So we go into CLR memory models, multi-threading, the implementation of async await. We decompile async await methods to see the finite state machine that is, that is generated by the C-sharp compiler. Then we go into the details of thread scheduler of, and we review options of continue with method and things like that. Also, we work with the expression trees and with queryable providers and my students, they, as a part of their, of their educational program, they have to write their own expression visitor and they have to work with queryable providers and also they they need to combine some some technologies together i mean like one of the one of their homeworks is you have a string as an input and they need to write a calculator which takes the string as an input then it divides the string into parts it understands which operations can be done in parallel uh, simultaneously and then the calculator itself is not located in the process and uh, instead it's located on the web server with asp.net so they need to to take this string create a tree to understand which operations can be done in parallel and then run parallel queries using a sync await and wait them all using task.wenall or something then get the result that's what we do as a homework so sounds and, like an assembler no, actually, basically uh, interpreting a line of C sharp, tokenizing uh, it. And, yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I mean, when you start to work with microservices, for for instance, you you get into the situation when you think that oh, it's it's really similar to how processors processors work. You have eventual consistency everywhere. You have latency. I mean, like a CPU core and L1 L3 caches and things like that. You, you always need to, to synchronize your memory between cores. Yeah, that's a good analogy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, it, right, we're, we're talking expression trees and, and a good bit of functional programming. Do you find that you write more functional or more object-oriented programming in C-sharp these days? Hmm. So I noticed that every... Each new version of C Sharp nowadays introduces uh, some new features from F Sharp. So I believe that F Sharp is a playground for uh, Microsoft R and D teams. So absolutely, can, yeah. So they can yeah. uh, they can take a look what works and what's not, and then uh, take the best parts of the functional stuff to C Sharp. So there was a moment when I was so excited about functional programming, so I wanted to rewrite all my code in a functional way. And But it was a really short period when I understood that this is a not really good idea. So first of all, because C-sharp itself is more like object-oriented language and the basic predefined behavior which we have in C-sharp is more object-oriented. We need to write classes. We have a mutable state and we have this by default public policy. So if you would like to write code in functional way in C-sharp, you have to rewrite a lot of default behavior. And I think that it's, an, it's a good indicator of uh, you are using a wrong tool. If you need 
if you really need a functional functional approach, you'd better take a functional language like F sharp. So right now I'm standing somewhere in between those two, and I'm trying to combine in a way to take good parts from both world worlds. Yeah, it's I think that it's fifty percent object oriented and fifty percent functional. But what I find challenging is to find this balance between those two because they're quite different. So right. rule of thumb for me maybe is when you work with multi-threading and you don't want to 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 go to mess with things like lock or or even with more advanced uh, synchronization techniques, the best thing you can do is to get rid of any uh, lockings in your code. And by doing so, you most likely get into functional way of doing stuff because if you don't have a mutated state and you don't need to synchronize anything, well, uh, welcome to the functional world. That's what they do. <laughs> Good deal. So what are some things that we haven't covered about expression trees that or uh, functional programming that people should know about? Hmm. So, well, about the expression trees, I think that we'll, uh, we'll have a link to, to my talk from NDC. So those who are listening right now and who would like to, to see other applications, they, they can take a look. I try to cover all available topics, basically everything what I know about the expression trees. So yeah, the most interesting part for me was that I, I could do some meta programming with uh, with with expression trees and uh speaking of uh, functional programming for me it was a good moment when i when i could combine some ideas from the world of functional programming with the expression trees so i really the biggest benefit for me is that i got rid of a boilerplate code in my in my business apps and i managed to to take some infrastructure related code into into libraries and now we work with them on different projects and for those who would like to to learn functional programming in in effortless and funny way i really recommend f sharp for fun profit website this is a brilliant website uh, built by scott flashen and i really recommend it to anyone who who work with uh, C Sharp and would like to learn F Sharp. Are there some other resources out there for expression trees that you'd recommend? Yeah, I mean, you can go to Joseph Albahar website. I think that's that's a page about his C Sharp in nutshell book and or, or probably the the page about LinkKit. So yeah, that's a good starting point. And uh, Joseph did the uh, a great job explaining some uh, some things and also i'll paste this link into uh, into our document there is a really good blog post by pete montgomery who who wrote about pretty kid builder and uh, about some some important implementation details of uh, the expression trees which helped me a lot when i needed to understand how to how to combine the expression tree so it it was a groundbreaking point for me I struggled to understand the, the exceptions, I, I, and Microsoft documentation was insufficient. And once I found this blog post, everything became clear to me, and uh, I, I could proceed. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was really helpful to, for me. 
Cool. Very cool. So I think we're going to push towards picks. But before we do that, if people have questions and they want to reach out to you, how can they do that? Okay, so the best way is to write an email. Oh, wow, well, I found uh, that we have a perfect list of links on our website. I'm sending it right now to our chat. So yeah, you can take a look. Yeah, it's Link Aspects, Predicate Builder by Pete Montgomery, by Jodef Albahari. And yeah, we did not cover Delegate decomp- de- Decompiler. That's a really crazy stuff. You can go they- that real quick if you want to. Yeah, so I can I, I can just give you an idea. So one person managed to uh, to go backward. I mean, you can you can create delegate from the expression tree by calling the compile method. But what if you would like to go in in, in an opposite direction? So what he did is he took oh get get il as byte array method available as a part of system dot reflection namespace, which basically returns a rate of bytes, which you can convert into array of opcodes using mono.cecil. Mono. And by going through this array of opcodes and uh, mapping it into expressions, you can build an expression tree from a delegate. That's a really crazy stuff. And it's even more advanced. And it's not ready. It's pre-alpha 0.23 version or something but i i like the the concept and i like the approach of, of doing some weird stuff you know cool cool yeah i really you know, i played around a little little bit with expression trees and linkpad really helps you do things like that I, i've had linkpad as one of my picks before so but it's nice to just fire up this small little interface and type in your c sharp or enter your framework code and and run it and it'll dump out what the IL is. It'll dump out what the SQL that's getting sent to the database, all that kind of stuff that really helps. Especially Absolutely. if you want to get started into, into expression trees, um, definitely try doing it first in Linkpad. Yeah. Doesn't need, right. You don't have to do the full blue, uh, full-blown Visual Studio project to get your feet wet. Hey, folks. I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been working a lot on figuring out how to help people become the most valuable developers on their teams or becoming the top 5% of developers in the field. If you're looking to level up, figure out how to contribute more, get the career you want, get the career that you want that will support the lifestyle you want, then you should check out the Most Valuable Dev Summit. I've invited some of my friends across the community, people that you've heard of, people that have worked on systems that you use on a daily basis, people who have invented new ways of doing things over the years in programming, and I've asked them one question, and that question is, how do you become a top 5% developer? How do you become one in 20 of the best developers out there? And so we're going to go ahead and have that conversation with them in interviews on the Most Valuable Dev Summit. And you can find that at summit.mostvaluable.dev. All right, great. So I think we're going to go on to picks now, and I will go first. And All right. just this week, HBO restarted their second season of a series called His Dark Secrets. It's not, not Dark Secrets, His Dark Material, sorry. So it's based upon a novel series by Philip Pullman. Kind of ironic that I live right outside of a city called Pullman. But it's a really, it's a cool series. It's the second season just started. And it's kind of about a multi-world, multi-universe type environment where there's a one little girl that's got 
some powers and things like that. And she's going on quests. So if you like, uh, you know, sci-fi multiverse quest type shows, definitely talk, check out his dark materials. All right, Caleb. What's yeah, your pick? I'll, ha- I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sounds good. All right, Caleb, what's okay. your pick? Yeah. My pick this week is actually me. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I, right. I've really enjoyed doing this podcast and uh, decided I wanted to branch out a little bit more and do some tutorial stuff and maybe some screencasts. So I'm actually starting up a, a YouTube channel where I'm going to be doing a bunch of odds and ends and probably doing some videos that will tie back into some of our uh, podcast episodes. So by the time you're listening to this, I should have you know a good few videos out there. So if you're curious... Go take a look and let me know what you think. Just search for your name. Is that what you're going to name the channel? Yeah, it's uh, my channels. It's just Caleb Wells. Um, and I'll add a link to it in the show notes. But yeah, just Caleb Wells. All right, cool. I'll check yeah. it out. All right. Cool. All right, Max, you want something uh, that our listeners should know about? Could be anything. Could be food, book, mm-hmm. technology, anything. Oh, yeah. I wasn't prepared that uh, <laughs> that I can mention something non-technical. Let's think for a moment. Uh, you can you can make multiple picks if you want to have a technical pick and a non-technical. That'd be good. Let me think. Okay, it's too late right now. I I I can't figure out anything <laughs> as of now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's almost midnight. Uh, yeah. for you, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we understand. <laughs> so the next time I I can be prepared to, to pick something. Sounds so have good. you watched any good movies lately? Oh well, we yeah, I enjoyed. A TV series, I think, yeah, it's called Luther. It's with Idris yeah. Elba. Yeah, a short right. mini series. Mini series. I enjoyed it. It's um, it's strange in a way, but uh, but it was good. All right, cool. Thanks for coming on the show, Max. Uh, yeah, I, I think it was a good topic. I think it's it's more advanced than what we've done in the past. So I think that's good because we do have some definite advanced users out there and this uh, topic should be helpful for them. But even for the beginners, it's definitely something you can look forward to and, and dig into, you know, as soon as you can. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for inviting me. It's, uh, yeah, it was a really good discussion today. I enjoyed it. Uh, great. Yeah, we did too. All right, thanks. And if our listeners want to reach out to the show, we would love to hear from you and get some feedback. Please get in touch with me on Twitter. I am at .NET Superhero. And I actually have a, another thing. Um, oh, yeah. I'm back Go on ahead. Twitter. I'm back on Twitter. You're on Twitter. So, oh. so they can, they, I pulled up my old account. I actually found it. And I changed my name. So it's Caleb Wells Codes. So they can reach out to you or to me or to Adventures in .NET. So I am, I am actually getting with the times and using Twitter now. Yeah. Heaven well, help you, us. All right. <laughs> well, you should match that with your YouTube channel. So they should both yeah. be Caleb Wells codes. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just tried Caleb Wells and it's already taken. It was Caleb Wells one and yeah, branding, right? <laughs> and <Again>. also, <laughs> I, I remember my pick for, for this week. That's, oh, cool. that's yeah, that's a really old one. So for those who uh, who enjoys listening to the music, uh, to music, I recommend to listen to Starmania, which is a French music show, really old one, but I liked it, especially if you like uh, the songs in in French. 
Yeah, I, cool. I, okay. Yeah. I'll yeah, you'll have to have to give us a link to that because I am not familiar. Yeah, it's, it's, it's called Starmani. Yeah, it's a musical. All right, cool. So, yeah, if you like something like uh, Notre Dame de Paris musical, this is a, a, an older one, but also it, it it's also French, French one, and uh, some some songs from this musical. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, it oh, it's deal. yeah, it debuted in 1978. A really old one. <laughs> I was two years old. <laughs> I was 12. So got you beat. <laughs> Just a little bit. All right, guys. And, yeah, I, thanks, wasn't even, and I wasn't even born. <laughs> <laughs> great show. Great show. Yeah. We'll catch everybody else on the next episode of adventuresin.net. Bye, y'all. Bye. Yeah. Thanks. Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.